Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Okay, I want to dive into the Word today, and I have a, a pretty simple message I want to share. But before I begin it, I just I, I need to uh, kind of do a bit of a prologue, if you will, okay? Uh, a bit of an introduction before we dive into the message. This particular uh, piece of scripture that I'm going to read today is uh, out of a book called Haggai. Now, Haggai is, is one of three prophets who spoke to the, the, the nation of Judea, to God's people, after they came out of exile. Now, I'm giving you just some historical background so when I dive in, you don't feel like I'm not sure where he's going here. God, out of his grace, chose a man named Abraham. Abraham and his descendants. And he said, I am going to continue to pour my blessing on Abraham and his descendants. Many generations later, God used a man named Moses to bring deliverance to his, his family, this group of people who had been in captivity in Egypt. And you might know the story, maybe you watched The Prince of Egypt, there's a series of plagues where God is demonstrating his incredible power. He sustains that group of people as they leave Egypt in the wilderness for 40 years, daily bringing bread to them and, and going before them to, to bring victory over their enemies. They come to the precipice of the promised land and, and Joshua boldly leads them across the river where God causes the water to stack up upon itself. As I'm saying these things, some of you are remembering past sermons where you've heard some of these stories. And if you're not, Go back on YouTube and you can check out some older content and get some more context for this. So they enter into the promised land to a place called Jericho and they see God move in a powerful way in Jericho and the wall falls. As they make their way into the promised land, before many generations have passed, they say, you know what? We actually would prefer to be led by a king. Interesting decision because at that point they were being led by God through prophetic voices. God was intricately involved in the daily workings of the nation through prophets, people who spoke on God's behalf. It was what uh, we would call politically a theocracy, God as the leader of his nation, working through his leaders, through the prophets. But they said, no, no, we want a king. God said, no, I just want to warn you. If you ask for a king, there will be servitude, there'll be taxes, there'll be different sort of uh, realities that come with that. And they insisted, we, we really want a king. So if you went through the book of 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, you would see the stories of those kings, some good, some bad, some righteous and some self-centered. Many a blend or a mix of the two. And, and so you have these voices of prophets, Elijah and Elisha, and then Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and Amos and Habakkuk and all of these different prophetic voices speaking to God's people, giving them this warning. If you don't continue to follow in God's ways, there are repercussions. There are uh, certain consequences that come. And the, the primary consequence is that God will remove you from this land. And so you see uh, these prophetic voices coming saying, guys, warning, 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 warning. There's almost like an irritation to the way the prophets speak because they can see the imminent uh, exile that is coming. Well, in their pride, the people of God as a, a whole society, they're like, no, nah, no, nah, we're special. 
That was true. They were special, but they're like, no, no, we're special. God won't let anything happen to us. And, and the truth is that they were exiled actually into a nation called Babylon. Someone's going like, Justin, this is a long prologue. I know it is, but the message is going to be short. Okay. So just follow along. They're in Babylon and in Babylon, they're there for 70 years. 70 years of exile. We're talking a few generations of people who were born and raised in exile. And after 70 years had passed, God, because he continues to be so gracious, he allows them to return to their home. At this point, there's only a remnant of people who even care. Many generations as they've passed, they're like, no, we kind of like Babylon. We've just made it, made it work. And they began to just sort of forget about where they had come from and the way that God had intended for them. But about 50,000 people returned to the, the city of Jerusalem, to the place that they had called home. They had kind of the, the, the green light from the leadership at that time to return, to reestablish their city. And so then we see the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, where, where Ezra the, the prophet and Nehemiah the leader, these guys working together, uh, the priesthood, the leadership working together uh, to rebuild a city, both the temple and the wall. And into that group of people, this, this, this group of people, about 50,000 who had walked through the, the ups and downs of, of faithfulness of God and the lack of their own faithfulness, only to see God's grace manifest again. These last three prophets uh, speak to that group of people. Haggai is one of them, okay? So just context for, for who this voice is. Haggai is speaking to the people who have returned from exile. They've been back for 16 years and thus far... They, they have not yet established the house of God, the thing that they really uh, had the motivation for when they returned. The, the first thing when they returned, you can read it in the book of Ezra chapter 3, the first thing they prioritized was we got to get the temple built again. We've got to reestablish the house of God. We've got to lay a foundation. And so they spent their first time in the city reestablishing the foundation of the temple. And when they reestablished the foundation of the temple in Ezra 3, it says the young people were celebratory. They were like, we've done it. We finally did it. This is going to be amazing. There will be an actual physical place where we can prioritize the, the spiritual disciplines that God has called us to, and we can see God honored in our, our day and our age. The older people, however, looked at that foundation and it says they wept because they compared it to the former temple and they thought, man, this is so much worse. And they had to kind of grieve what was lost. There was cheering and weeping. In many ways, as we re-emerge as a church, there's some cheering and some weeping. We're excited about what is new and we're also grieving that uh, not being together for this long has been difficult. But, but what happened in the midst of that, they lay a foundation and then some opposition came. How many people could, could say in your life you've experienced opposition? Come on, if the chat is not blowing up right now, either you are asleep or you're a liar. We've experienced some opposition, haven't we? There have been some times where things just didn't flow easily. That was true for these people as well. They experienced some external opposition and internal discouragement and they stopped at the foundation level. They never actually built upon the foundation. They got to a foundation of, of the temple and then they got distracted, discouraged, and they delayed in that process of obedience. Now, as I get into this message, I just wanna ask you this. If you could get really real with me today, can, can you consider in your own life that perhaps there have been areas where you have become distracted, discouraged, or where you have delayed in being obedient to what God has called you to? 
Now there might be some watching like, I don't know what God's called me to, like, like o- obedient to it. I'm just really new in that journey of faith. I want you to know that that's okay. We're so glad you're here. And I'm praying and believing that as you continue to be a part of, of community, and as we continue to be disciples of God's word, following in his footsteps will become more and more evident to us what God's will is. But for many of you, you'd say, yeah, I know that there have been some things in my past that I needed to address and I've yet to address them because I got discouraged, because I I got distracted, or because I've just kind of put it off and delayed. If that's true of you, this will speak to you. If that's not true of you, as I read this, you might say, oh, It was more true than I thought. Okay, can I read this? So this is Haggai speaking to this group of people, specifically to two leaders, one named Zerubbabel, who is the governor, and one named Joshua, who is the priest. Meaning God is speaking through a prophet to both societal leaders and church leaders. He's speaking prophetically to those who work primarily in the marketplace and those who work primarily in the spiritual arena. So so whatever your passion is today, I really feel like this would be a message of God for you and I to address and to consider. Now we know this, everything that's written in scripture is for our benefit. It wasn't to us first, but it is for us now. And so why don't we, we prepare for God to perhaps speak to us through this passage of scripture. It's Haggai chapter one. That concludes the prologue, okay? We're, we're now into it. It's gonna move pretty quick. Ready? It says, in the second year of King Darius, in the first day of the sixth month, The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel. Remember I told you about him. He's the governor. And to Joshua, told you about him as well. He's the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? Like like to, to start it off, uh, let's just consider that, that we sometimes expect the external environment, the circumstances around us to just work perfectly before we take a step of bold obedience. That's what had happened for this group of people. They're like, well, it just doesn't feel like the right time. We've got opposition. We've we got discouragement. We've got so many distractions. And, and certainly we still care. We just don't care enough to do it now. Is this speaking to someone? Like sometimes we say, yeah, of course I care about the things of God. I'm just really busy right now. I got other things on the go. And so they prioritized their own homes first. Now I want to be careful because I don't want anyone to feel like, uh, like I'm saying, or certainly that the Bible is saying that God doesn't want you to care about your life, your home, your family, your business, uh, your, your personal affairs. That, that's really not it as well. But what God is saying is, How is it that your motivations, your actions would show that you care solely about what you already care about at the expense of caring about what I care about? It's like, aren't you my people? Aren't I your God? Isn't there some some connectivity between honoring God and, and seeing that honor outworked in your life? He goes, it's interesting. You just say it's not the right time, but... But it is the right time for you to be really busy on other things. In a personal application, we can say that we're too busy really any time for anything if we want to. But isn't it amazing that we can always find time for what we value the most? Oh, come on. You know, this is true. We'll always find time 
to, to put towards the relationships that we value the most. I'm just going to pull up a note here so I can make reference to this. We can tend to think that we don't have enough time, but the truth is we will we'll do what we have uh, or we'll, we'll make time for the thing that we care about the most. I've heard it said before that people will always do what they most want to do. That's been true in my life. It's been true in yours as well. And you might say, well, I didn't want to do this or prioritize that, but I just didn't want to be awkward. Okay, so you value comfort and a lack of awkwardness over the thing that you just didn't do. This is just true of all of us. And so God is basically just saying, hey, can I, can I highlight something for you? It's interesting that your motivations are such that you put me last. Like, I'm kind of wondering how, how you say that you're following me when you put me last, where I'm the last thought on your mind. Shouldn't I be higher up the list? Now, now they could have said that they didn't have enough energy or they didn't have the manpower, but that wasn't true. They had uh, 42,360 people plus over uh, 7,337 servants who came with them. And then the Bible also records 200 singers. That's a big band. Like they had literally everything they needed to establish the house of God in a powerful way. They just didn't because it wasn't enough of a priority. And the truth is for us, if we don't prioritize uh, the, the message that God has called us to, it's not a lack of energy, it's just a lack of priority. They could have said that they didn't have the resource. But, but in Ezra 2, it records that they had 1,100 pounds of gold. They had three tons of silver. Let's just agree that's at least a start, right? That's at least a start, a beginning to establish. Do you know, when we, we started Vivid Church, we had very little, but we had enough to start. We, we had very little, enough to, to buy a few items uh, of technical gear that we needed. We bought them used. We put them in a trailer. I was the only one who had a trailer hitch on my vehicle. And so I drove with, with all our kids in the trailer with the, the few things that we owned to a small little venue. And we worked with the small team we had. And, and, and we had no excuse. We had no reason. It, we were filled with joy at the opportunity to begin to do that. But over time, it's possible to feel like if only we had more resource, we'd be able to do more. That's simply not the case. We, we need to make it a priority. They could have said that they didn't have the time. And this is probably the most common excuse that we can make when we don't prioritize what God cares about. When we don't put God first, we go, I'm just so busy in this season. But the truth is they had been there 16 years. It took them two years to establish the foundation. And then they abandoned that process and got busy on other things. Let me ask you. Have you abandoned the process of the building of your life, the building of your spiritual uh, foundation, the building of your spiritual disciplines, the building of your leadership call, the building of our corporate vision together to reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see? Have you or I perhaps delayed that or been distracted in that because we've been busy with other things? We need to be honest with ourselves. That is not an issue of a lack of time. It's just a lack of care. And then lastly, they could have, and I believe did have, great intentions. Their intentions just didn't lead to actions. And you know, I, I've rarely met people who have bad intentions. Most often, the, the people I'm around have the greatest intentions. Certainly the people who, who would say, I, I'm a Christian. They've got great intentions to live a life that is worthy of the call they have received. But stuff happens. 
And, and if that's happened in your life, then Haggai is speaking to you and to me as well. He goes, it's interesting that you say you don't have time for me, but I notice that you have time for everything else. And I used to say to people when, when they'd be like, I'm just too busy. I'd be like, no, no, you're not too busy. Let's compare. I, I'm not as, I, like, I'm busier than you are and I don't feel too busy. But in more recent years, I've come to this understanding. If you feel too busy, then you're probably too busy. And you need to begin to go through your life, go through your commitments and say, well, what am I doing wrong with my time? I'm given 168 hours every week. Why is it that I can't find one hour to be a blessing to someone? I got 168 hours every week. Why is it that, that making my way to, to, to church on Sunday is so hard? It's not because I lack time. It's probably just a lack of priority. And you can say, well, why should it matter? Why should I, I care whether or not I'm in the house of God? Because God does. Because it's a priority to him. Because he says, don't neglect gathering together. It's so easy to get in that habit. Be together so you can encourage one another on towards love and good deeds. That you can be the people I've called you to be. And so if you feel you're too busy, you probably are. And it's time to make some change. If this feels harsh, I don't think it's going to end that way, okay? So stick with me on this. Now it goes into verse 5. He says this. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. I'm asking you, Vivid Church, can you give careful thought to your ways? Like, well, what, what exactly does that mean? I'm so glad you asked. Check it out. This term in the Hebrew language is sum lavav darach. Sum lavav darach, this interesting picture, which literally means this, like in a very wooden translation, it means this, put your heart on the roads that you've built. Check this out. Put your motivations, your courage, your passion, like just put it on that road and see where it takes you. When God says, give careful thought to your ways, he's actually saying, take your heart, put it on the road that you're building, and see if you like where your heart ends up. And if you don't, then put your heart into building the right roads. To give careful thought to our ways is actually, it's like following that train of thought. You know, sometimes in, in conversation, people have a thought and it kind of leads them through leaps and bounds through different conclusions. And it's like, hold up. Instead of leaping and bounding, let's just follow that train of thought. If this is true, then that is true. And if that's true, then this is true. And if that's true, it'll lead to that. Do we like where this train of thought is going? And if not, we need to think a new thought at its origin. The same is, is true of our activities. We say, well, if I make this compromise, it leads to that compromise, which could lead me into this place, which tempts me towards this. Well, what, what should we do? We should, at the very beginning, just not get on that road. And what God's saying is like, take your heart. Be honest with yourself. Put it on the road that you're building. Do you like where your heart ends up? Give careful thought to your ways. Some of you are like, I'm just pursuing my, my, my passions and my, my career. It's the only thing that matters. But once I get there, I'm going to be a happier person. I'm, I'm going to be a, you know, so excited about my life. I'm going to be uh, given to time and generosity and care. And then I'm going to prioritize the things of God. Well, well, be honest with yourself. Put your heart on the road you're building. Do you like where it leads you down the road? If you have no time for a relationship now, what will change down the road? If you have no energy for serving in the house of God now, what's going to change in the road that you're building? Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful consideration 
to your ways. He says this, you've planted, but you, you've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never seem to have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but they're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse that has holes in it. What a vivid picture. You, you are giving yourself to things that aren't bringing the return that you would expect or anticipate. And then he says a second time, give careful thought to your ways or put your heart on that road. Do you like where it leads to? He says, go up into the mountains, bring down timbers, build my house so that I, that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You've expected much, but you see in return such a little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Because of my house, which remains in ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, the olive oil, everything else the ground produces on people, on livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. What God is saying is this, I, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to bring you to the conclusion that just these meaningless tasks will never bring you the pleasure you think. You've become so busy with your own thing and I'm nowhere on your priority list. And I'm, I'm asking you, could you give some careful thought to where you've been going now and then give some careful thought, put your heart on a pathway that leads towards where I'm going. Don't you like that better? He's saying, don't you like the thought of my hand of blessing being on what you're doing better? Don't you like the thought uh, of knowing that, that God is Please let me ask you, Vivid, don't you love the thought that we have the opportunity to please God, perfect in all his ways, the creator and the sustainer, the, the one who knows us intimately inside and out, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, has a plan that's unique to us. He's called us by name out of darkness into light, and we have the opportunity to bring pleasure to God. I really like where that road leads. I like the thought of living in such a way that God is pleased. How about you? I like the thought of saying, I, I want to be invested in the house of God instead of this empty, busy feeling that I feel. Have, have you heard the word languishing? We're throwing it around lots these days. I just feel like I'm languishing. Now, why you, people languish? Because they are busy without being effective. They're busy, but they're unproductive. And God's saying, can you just like consider, put your heart on this road. This is where you've been going. Do you like that feeling? Now take your heart back and put it on this road where, where you're living in such a way that I'm pleased. Don't you like where that leads you better? I hope this is speaking to someone today. I know God's using this passage of scripture to speak to me and to my heart. Realistically, this group of people, they procrastinated, uh, motivated by their busyness. They were busy harvesting and trying to drink and trying to eat and trying to clothe and trying to, and those things are all fine. Jesus, he reminds us the same thing. He goes, why are you worried about all that? There's nothing wrong with that, but seek first the kingdom and righteousness and then all those things will be added to you as well. Don't you like that road better? Choose this path. It's just a better path. And they also, over time, then became busy because they had procrastinated. Isn't that true? We procrastinate, which leads to busyness, and then we become busy because of our procrastination. We, uh, we have procrastination motivated by busyness, and then busyness motivated by procrastination. I'm gonna 
put that off for later because I'm too busy with other things and I got so busy with other things that I forgot to do this and now I gotta put it off. It's this never ending, unpleasing cycle. I don't know if you have a to-do list. Maybe if you're like me, there's some items that have been on that to-do list for too long. We gotta do something about that. If you have a spiritual to-do list, it's time. It's time to consider and establish, do we like where this road is leading? I'm gonna be honest with you today as your, as your pastor. Last night as I was praying about this message, I felt uh, convicted and, and, and cared for by God all at the same time, just saying, God, I don't pray as much as I'd like to. I don't pray with as much passion as I want to. I wanna be a person who, who considers prayer a first response and finds so much joy, pleasure, and freedom in prayer. And, and there are days where those are foreign thoughts. There's days where I feel like our conversations are too few and too far between. There's days where I feel like, like I'm not giving you my, my best. And as I considered my ways and I put my heart on the road I'm building, I see a conclusion where God doesn't get as much time and attention as I want him to. And so I'm, I'm reestablishing some new roads. I need to, I have to, because I want to live in a way that pleases God. Are you with me? It says this, then Zerubbabel, the governor, Joshua, the high priest, and the whole remnant of people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. So they obeyed. What does obedience look like? Well, it looks like this. They actually did stop and consider. If we're gonna obey the word of God, the first thing we need to do is actually stop and consider. Put your heart on your road. Do you like where it's going? Like with your time, with your resources, with your talents, with your areas of passion, even with your, your weaknesses, even with your, your, your future aspirations, your ambitions, your education, with all these things, do you like where your present set of priorities is leading you? Do you, do you feel like the way you spend your time, your energy, your resource, your talent, that that's leading you into the most pleasing pathway? And if not, guys, let, let's get the courage to do something different. Let's obey enough today to do something different. I never want to be a, a pastor who preaches a message and you're like, that was a good message and it tied a bow on it and now I'm done with it. I would rather engage in a dialogue that we actually have something to do. So today, let's be obedient. God, search our hearts. We want to give consideration to our ways. If we've been putting off the inevitable, now's the time. Let's take our heart, let's put it on the road, let's see where it leads. Do we like where this is leading us? Do we like where this is taking us? Now verse 13, and this is, this is the, the key to it all. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the people. God says, I am with you. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and Joshua and the whole remnant of people, and they began to work on the house the Lord their God had called them to. Check it out. When we consider our ways, God is with us. And when God is with us, our spirits are stirred up. The word stirred up literally means they, they woke up. It's a word that paints a picture of your eyes that were closed being opened like it was a wake-up call from God. And check it out, God's wake-up call 
is not irritating. God's wake-up call is not vicious. God's wake-up call is sometimes abrupt, but always a welcomed sound. God is, is waking us up. He's saying this, I, I want you to walk in my blessing. I want you to walk in fulfillment. I want you to walk in the pleasures I have for you. I want you to walk in purpose. I want you to walk in unity and destiny. These are all things I have aligned for you. But I just want you to consider if you're putting the action towards your motivation, consider, put your heart on that road and see where it leads. I believe this with all my heart. If we get obedient together today, and we make that our, our aspiration and our goal today to get obedient by considering our ways that God would meet with us even right now and begin to stir us up, begin to wake us up, be, begin to enlighten us and open up our eyes to see, oh, I could shift some things. I don't know about you. I, I, I don't show up to church on a Sunday uh, with an expectation that this will just be more of the same. I want God to speak to me every week. I want God, whenever I open my Bible, I want God to speak to me. And as I open it up today, he's saying, hey, Justin, wake up, wake up. And guess what? When, when God stirred up Zerubbabel's heart and Joshua's heart, those leaders, it woke up the whole group of people. I believe this is true of you. You are an influencer in your life. You have a seat of influence in your family or your workplace or your, the household you're in. And when God wakes you up, it will bring a stirring to the people around you as well. What did the, whoa, let me come at that again. I'm getting too excited, mumbling over my words. What was the direct result of being awoken? They were unified together and they began to build God's house. I'm telling you, as we've begun to regather in Vancouver, I'm feeling that momentum. We are in unity, we're together, and we're building. As people continue to say, I'm, I'm at a distance, but I'm online, we are unified together, and we are building. Let's believe that we can build this community in the days to come, and build it out not just as a, a viewership, not just as people who are watching content, but who are spurring one another on, connected, and, and going forward. As we prepare to launch in Toronto, I'm feeling this momentum. God is saying, hey, wake up, wake up. And the unity that he is bringing together, we're gonna see powerful things because we're all in this together. I've heard that saying a lot these last few months. It's often thrown out as a slogan. And somehow I don't think it's as reassuring as it's intended to be. Some of the slogans like, do this, do that, isolate in this way, stay separate in that way, do this with masks, do that with vaccines, do this with you know time and, and check-ins and all the different things, because we're all in this together. But the solution always sorts of, sort of feels isolating. You know, God's solutions are always unifying. God's solutions, when he stirs up our heart, always lead towards unity. Let me show you in the book of Ephesians chapter two, and then I'm gonna close for today. And we're gonna go actually do this. We're gonna go actually reestablish some priorities in our lives, our time, our resource, our talents, our energy. Check this out, uh, Ephesians chapter two and verse 19. It says this, consequently, you and I, we're no longer foreigners and strangers, but we're fellow citizens with God's people. We're also members of his household. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as our chief cornerstone in him. The whole building is joined together. It rises up to become the holy temple of the Lord. In him, you too are being built up together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 
check this out. I am not saying that the only way that we prioritize God is be in church on Sunday and help us build this thing. That, that's, that's a piece of it. It's a part of it, but it's not the only way. We are God's temple. The unity of relationship with people, living on a foundation of the authority of prophets and apostles, living in partnership with Jesus as he is transforming our lives to look more like him. We are the temple that God is building. And for some of us, we got to foundation level and stopped. Why did we stop? Procrastinated because we were busy. Got busy because we procrastinated. If we're honest, we just put our heart on that road. We ah, motivated by other things. Distracted, delayed, discouraged. But God is saying again to us, hey, we're all in this together. And if you would consider my ways, I would remind you that I'm with you. And in, in that reminder that I am with you, your heart would be stirred up. You'd begin to awaken to the reality that God wants to use you today in a new and profound way. I believe that's true for us. And I'm going to pray that over our church. Let me ask you this before I do. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're watching and you don't know Jesus as your savior, I'm believing that he would wake you up right now. That in your spirit, there would be this awakening that you would recognize, oh, how I need Jesus. I talked with someone just two weeks ago and he referred to his, his story of salvation that way. He said, I had an awakening to the reality of God's love for me in recent years. I'm believing for that for you today. The Bible says God knocks at the door of your heart and if you would answer him, he'll come in and have fellowship with you. And you, it would begin by praying a prayer like this. Jesus, I give you my life. I trust you with my life. I thank you for your grace. I, I repent of my sin. Thank you for loving me. And if you pray a prayer like that, you are beginning in a journey of being a disciple of God. He wants to change you, change your thinking, change your actions, change your motivations. He loves you just the way you are, but loves you so much that he wants to lead you into a better future. And so why don't we pray together as a church? God, I just agree with your word today. You are speaking to us. You are asking us to consider our ways. As a pastor today and as a husband and a father, as a child of God, I'm considering again, do I like where my decisions are leading me? I, I pray for the people watching right now that they could have that same type of honesty of conviction. Do we like the way that our, our actions are leading us? And where they don't align with your purpose and plan, I ask that you would speak to us, challenge us, and change us. Make us more like you. And God, I thank you that as you stir up the hearts of individuals, you, you open up this new opportunity to stir up the hearts of the people around us. May that be the story of Vivid Church in Vancouver and Toronto and beyond. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Book of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. I'm going to close with this today. It says, commit to the Lord in whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Commit to the Lord's road. Put your heart on God's pathway and watch that he goes before you and causes increase to be your reality. I believe for that today. I'm praying with you today. Let's consider our ways. Let's let God stir up our hearts. And then let's be reminded we're in this thing together. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church Podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.